Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning, church. How are you guys? Some of you are here, some of you are not mentally. It's okay. Like your summer has started. <laughs> it's good to be in the house. Such a good time worshiping with you guys. Thank you. I have a couple of quick announcements for getting into the word today. Um, if it's your first time here, you've been here for a long time and haven't had the opportunity to connect with us, we would love to connect with you. Um, here's the easiest way to do that in front of you in a chair, unless you're sitting on the front row, you don't have one. Uh, but otherwise, there should be a little QR code there. If you scan that, it's going to bring up a little link tree for you, and in that link tree, it'll say connect. So if you want to click on that, it'll give you a little connection card to fill out. Uh, if you fill that out, we're going to send you a gift in the mail just for saying thank you for being here today. We pray that above all else that you feel loved and that you feel the presence of God in this place because his presence changes everything. All right? Amen. Also, another quick thing, we're growing and we need more kids' help. Uh, last week, we put a big plug out there. Some of you stepped up. Thank you. But we still need more people to step up. This generation needs people who are going to love them, are going to train them, are going to teach them. This world is teaching our kids a lot of things, right? We need to teach them the truth. And so if you want to do that, pray, don't even pray about it. Like, because if, if you, like, God's just telling you, do it, okay? Just do it. Just sign up, right? You need pre-K workers. We need nursery and uh, also toddlers in the check-in area. And we're also wanting to expand our, our, our kids' men. So we're going to have break up our preschool and our kids' ministry to another age group so we can teach them appropriately. So we need lots and lots of, of people that want to teach. We're going to train you. We're going to give you the material. It's not like we're going to send you out there with unarmed, okay? So we're going to help you do that, all right? So that's my selfish plug for today. Here we go with the message. Father God, I thank you for today. God, awaken our hearts this morning. God, we are asleep. We, we, we want to know you. We want to love you, Father God, but our hearts are closed to what you have for us. Lord, awaken our hearts this morning, God. Let your light shine through us. Lord, I pray that you would move us into a new reality for who you are. Lord, you says, arise and shine for your light has come. God, make your church arise and shine in this moment. Lord, I pray for these people, God, that they would wake up from their slumber and see who you are, for the reality of who you are. God, that we would not hold on to the things of the past, but move forward into the future of what you have for us, God. God, open our eyes to see the reality of your truth. Open our hearts to receive your love and your care and your mercy. God, unleash our hands to do your works. Thank you, Father. Open my mouth to speak. God in spirit, just help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk about a subject that I am really an expert at. Like, if anybody's an expert at this subject, it is me. They say it takes 10,000 hours of practice to, to master something, right? And so when it comes to failures, I am a grandmaster of failure, 
I fail all the time. I fail every Tuesday to take the trash out. My wife will say amen. I fail to feed my dog sometimes, but he reminds me. I fail every day. It, it, doesn't, it seems like I don't leave out the door without failing to do something. See, we fail every day. And James, uh, the writer of, of James, says we fail in many ways. We all fail. We all don't add up. We, we all make mistakes. We all make bad decisions. We all, make, uh, we all have this thing about us that just causes us to fail. It's kind of in our DNA for some reason. Right, and, and, and these small failures that we have, and they're kind of cute, they're kind of funny, but often we have these things in our life that are huge failures. There's bad mistakes that we've made. There's things that we, that we put ourselves out there and, and it just didn't work out. And, and so that failure gets into our soul. That failure becomes something that we feel is fatal. Like, I'm never going to move past this. I'm never going to try that again. I'm never going to move forward again. And our failure becomes, and it feels like, and it really seems that it's the end of something. And I want to tell you today that failure is not fatal. That your failure is not fatal. There's hope for you. So today's passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And we're going to stand for the reading of the word today. And I want to open this passage up to you in a little different translation as well, but we're going to read this one out of the New Living. Everybody have it? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. If you got it, so you got it. It's up there if you don't. Here we go. Each time he said, this is Paul talking, and this is God talking to Paul, my grace is all you need. Just underline that and let's go home. <laughs> my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father God, I pray that you would not let us feel like our, fa our failures are fatal, but God, that you would open this word to us to understand, Lord, that you have a plan and that you are bigger than our failures. God, you are strong enough to take our horrible decisions and make something out of them. God, we thank you and we love you that your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a seat. So we all fail. We don't want to fail, but it just happens. And so the question I have, and I'm sure you've had the same question because a lot of people I talk to have this question, why did God let me do that? If God is all-powerful and God knows all things, why on earth did he let me fail? Why didn't he stop me from making that decision? Why didn't he, why didn't he stop me from trying to do that? And, and so I just want to get, bring a little clarity of why God let you fail. Because God allows you to fail because he wants a relationship with you. God does not want a bunch of robots running around. God doesn't want people that he cannot have a, a relationship with. We took communion together as that reminder that he wants us to come to the table. He wants us in relationship with him. He wants to know us like we know a friend. And he wants us to know him like we know a friend. I think of the movie Pinocchio. You ever seen that movie? You know, Geppetto is the puppet maker. He loses his son. And so in his grief, he creates a son out of wood. He creates this marionette and he calls it Pinocchio. And, and as that, as Pinocchio was just a marionette, he, as Geppetto, could have a relationship with Pinocchio. He had a relationship with the puppet, but the puppet had no relationship with Geppetto. It couldn't feel anything, couldn't say anything, had no free will. And I think a lot of us think that that's how God treats us. 
Like we don't have a free will. He doesn't give us any choices. He is just the puppet master and we're doing his bidding. But that's not relationship. That's control. And you cannot have intimacy with control. There can, where there is, I want to say this. Where there is complete control, there cannot be complete intimacy. God wants complete intimacy with us. He gives us a choice to know him and to be known. And so he allows us to fail. But the good thing is, is our failure is not fatal. When we do fail, he is strong enough to bring something good out of it. I love Romans 8, 28. We all know the passage. Some of you have it on a pillow at home. Some of you have it on a plaque at home. Some of you have the bumper sticker. You may have the shirt on today. I didn't see if Boo's wearing a shirt. A tattoo. Yeah, whatever. But it's Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, what things? All things, God works for the good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So what this passage tells me is that even though I fail, even though I mess up, even though I, I'm a, I fail in many ways, he still can bring about good for his purposes. That's what I have to remember. It's for his purposes. See, our failures, when we fail, they get into our hearts. The late Tim Keller said this. He said, don't let success go to your head and don't let failure go to your heart. And see, that's the problem. When we fail, when we, when we do something we know we're not supposed to do, we make a bad decision, it gets into our heart, right? And it seeps in and it, it kind of works itself out of us. Every, every time we have to make a new decision, anytime we have to choose to try again, that failure comes back and it tells us you can't do that. See, our failures often feel like limitations, right? They don't feel like failures anymore. They feel like a limitation, like I can't go past this. I'll never move forward. I'll never get past this thing. And our failures tend to take the form of limitations. But as Romans says, God works good in all things. I want to introduce you to my box of failures today. It really should have been a Mack truck full of failures. But I want to share some that are very common to all people. And these are the kind of the big ones, right? Because here's what we do. We walk around with our box of failures. And anytime we meet somebody, they'll, they'll, you'll get to know them. And they're like, man, you're carrying. So there's something going on with you. What's going on? And, and this is what it looks like. Um, I have a box of failures. And they're like, well, can I see your box of failures? No. I don't want you to see where I failed. Well, why can't, you, why can't I see them? Because they're weak. It makes me weak. It shows where I've messed up and where I've, I've not measured up. And you're not going to like me because you see my failures. And you don't want to share your failures because your failures make you look bad. Your failures show all your inadequacies and all the things you don't add up to, right? So you, you carry your box of failures around. And even though you're not showing them what's in it, your life is protruding it. Because when you go and you try to have a new relationship with somebody, which I'm about to get into this, it seeps out. And so let's look at some of my failures. You can take some notes. This is where Pastor failed, okay? Let me get to a good one here. Let's start with one here. I have a lot. I have six, actually, big ones. But we only have an hour, so I can't go through all my failures, but I picked the big six. Let's do this one relationships, right? We've all had those relationships with friends, family members, people we love, maybe people in the church even. 
And, and things were going good. We had a good friendship. And then eventually there was a falling out. Something happened. Somebody said something. Somebody offended us. We offended them. They didn't measure up to what we expected. And, and then the relationship goes south. Maybe they did something to really hurt you. Maybe they did something really wrong. And maybe you did something really wrong. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have said or did something you shouldn't have done. And it destroyed the relationship. And, and, and I've had a lot of these. <laughs> I haven't been a good friend sometimes. I haven't been a good family member to my brothers and sisters sometimes. I've failed many times in my relationships. And, and maybe this is a big failure for you. Maybe this holds you back a lot. And so because you failed in this relationship, you don't want to go and make another relationship with somebody else. Anytime somebody tries to seep in and, and hey, be your friend, you're like, I don't need a friend. It's like our relationship is, it, it, it's just going to be this far. You're like you can't get any closer because I failed before. They failed me and I don't want, it hurts too bad, right? This failure is too big. I can't allow people into my life. And so this may hold you back. This limits your relationship life. This limits your circle of people. And relationships is a big one. And then, you know, we're going along and like things are good. We, we think, you know, like, I'm serving God. I want to serve God. I want to, I want to be pure for my spouse. I want, to, I, want to, I want to like really be there for them. Like I want to be pure. But then something happens and life happens and we make a mistake. You know, it's I loved her and she loved me. And, you know, we thought we were going to get married. And, and then we just, you know, we fell in and, and then we lose our purity. Right? And this, is, this goes past just premarital sex. This goes into pornography and and thoughts and, and things like this. It makes us feel dirty, right? It makes us feel like, man, I'm used. Uh, I'm unclean. Nobody wants me. This, this is a big one. This carries into all of our relationships because if we feel like we're used and we feel like we're dirty and we feel like we're unclean and we feel like we're, we're damaged goods, we can never allow other people into our life completely. Even when you get married, there's always some part of you you're holding back because I'm damaged goods. And so this holds us back. This is a huge limitation, purity. It's a, it's a big failure that many of us carry, but there's hope. I want to remind you of that. And then there's the big one, the big M, marriage. Like, we're still married, but barely. I mean, we are now, but no, not as barely now. But, you know, at one point, we almost got divorced. We are married really good now. Let me clarify. But this is a big one. I mean, if any of you have failed marriage, man, it just it eats at you. It's a big failure. Like, man, I'm a failure. I can't believe I failed that. Marriage, marriage, you know, we have a failed marriage and we can't move on. We can't get married again. We don't want to date again. We don't want to put ourselves out there again because I just don't think we can, I can go through that heartache again. I don't think I can go through that thing, that thing again. And with marriage, it's like we get married, right? And it's good. We, we love each other. And then a year in, I'm sitting across the table from this person, and I'm like, this isn't the same person I married. <laughs> and I'm not the same person she married, right? We change. We grow up. We got married really young. And when you start to mature or become immature on my part. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I don't think we can work through this. I don't think, I think we've said too much. We've done too much. There's too much damage done. I think we just need to to give up. And many of you at that point, like, I'm giving up. I, I don't think I can, I can do this anymore. And you didn't want to get divorced. That wasn't the path you chose, but somehow it just happened and it seemed like the only way out. And, and then you divorce and 
Marriage is a huge failure. I just failed my spouse all the time. I failed my husband. I failed my wife all the time, and I don't think I can move on. And then maybe you do try to move on. And you meet somebody else, and you're like, man, this is the one. Uh, We're going to get married. And and then, lo and behold, another year passes. Not the same person. They're crazy, too. (laughs) And I, well, I guess marriage isn't for me. I'm not going to try again. And so you never really marry again. Maybe you just date. Maybe you just live together. You never really make that commitment because you know there's a pain involved. And besides, it's getting easier to divorce. You have the divorce attorney's number on speed dial. You know how much it costs. And the kids will be okay. That's what we tell ourselves. And so with that, we fail in parenting. You know, I often apologize. My son's back there, so I'm going to pick on him. He wasn't here first service to defend himself. But we tell him all the time, I'm sorry, you're the first kid. We had no idea what we were doing. You were, you were, yeah, you were the test kid, right? But it's just, you know, we fail. Like, I say things to my, I said things to my kids. Right? I, I didn't do things for them. I promised, I had empty promises to my children. Like I wanted to be the good dad. I wanted to deliver these things, but I just couldn't do it. And, and so now I feel like a failure to my kids because my, sometimes your kids just don't do what you want them to do, right? Sometimes your kid is wayward. Sometimes your kid make decisions that really you're like, I didn't teach him to do that. And then you take it on yourself. And you're like, man, I'm just a bad parent. I'm a, I'm a failure as a parent. I don't know what to do with my kids. And some of you are in that place right now where your kids are just going off the rails and you're praying for them and you don't know how to parent them. You don't know what to do. And you take it upon yourself and like, man, I'm just a bad parent. And so you don't want to engage your kids. You don't want to, you know, there's people go through their whole life with this into their adult life. There's, there's, I see it all the time, like 50 year old kids, right? (laughs) With their seven year old parents and they just can't talk to each other. They don't get along. Because there's some failure in there and it hurts and they don't want to get past it. They don't think they can get past it. They don't think they have the strength to get past it. So parenting. Career. You know, you're doing good. You got a job. Like, it's great. It's, it's, you know, I'm getting the money and everything's good. And then the layoff happens, right? Economy turns. Sorry, we got to lay some people off. And, And that's all you've done your whole life. You don't know anything else. And now you got to enter the workforce again. You got to make an application. You got to do a resume. And if I had to make a resume now, I wouldn't have no idea how to do it. Right? It's like, what am I good at? This is the only thing I was good at. And I don't think I'll ever measure up again. I don't think I can ever get a better job. And, and so you fail to apply to the good job that you know would be right for you. But there's a confidence there that you don't have anymore because your confidence was crushed because you feel like a failure. Maybe you're fired from your job because you made a mistake. And you're afraid to apply for something. You're afraid to step out again. Maybe you've Maybe you've had a business of your own and it failed and you're afraid to open up another business. You feel like God's calling you to do it. Or maybe step into a ministry, God's calling you to do it. But I failed before. I've seen other people crash and burn. And that failure just keeps you from moving forward. And then your faith. Your faith. Like you started serving God good and you gave your life to Jesus and all of a sudden you're like, you're on fire for him and then all of a sudden you're not. You, you make a mistake, you do the thing and you even came last Sunday and you got to the altar like, God, I'm giving you everything, Lord, I'm following you with everything I have. And then Monday happens. Yeah, man, God doesn't love me. 
There's no way God can love me. I constantly fail. I constantly do it again. And, and, and so your faith takes a hit, and you fail in your faith, and then you just stop coming to church. You stop praying. You stop doing all the things that are good for you because I failed. God, I failed you. I can't show up to church. <laughs> Most people know I failed. What are they going to think about me? It's a huge one. And some of you right now, I mean, your, your faith and the world, they just don't add up. And you're looking at what the world says is okay. And you're looking at what God says is okay. And you're like, I just don't know if I can make these two, you know, work. And, and I don't know, God, I don't know if you're real or not. I don't know if you're really good. Like I've been praying this prayer and I've been asking you to heal and I've been asking you to do these things, but you're just not coming through. So God, I think I don't know if I even believe in you anymore. But I want you to know God can still work out good. See, we all have these failures. We all have these things that we, that we go through, right? We all fail in many, 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 many ways. But the truth is, is this, is that God is bigger than our failure. Amen. God's bigger than our failure. Paul, the apostle, knows this. Paul actually relishes in his weakness, his limitations, because these failures feel a whole lot like more like limitations than failures, right? Because they get into us and they limit us from, from moving forward. Paul opens up his weakness to the Corinthian church. We read that passage in the NLT, but I want to read it to you and open it up to you in the message translation today. And he goes like this. So a little backstory so you understand what's going on when we open this up. These apostles, these super apostles is what Paul is calling them, were seeping their way into the church. And so they seemed good. They seemed right. Like everything about them was like they spoke well and they, 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 they were well learned. And people were like, Paul, you're not like them. These guys are super smart. They can speak well. These, these guys have it. And Paul is reminding them, look, these guys are teaching you the wrong thing. They're teaching you that, that faith in Christ is not enough. Like you have to earn your way, right? You have to get circumcised. You have to follow the Jewish traditions. And so he's making a case about himself saying, I am called by God. Like I'm not perfect, but I want to share my weakness with you. And so this is what he says. If I had in mind to brag a little, this is Paul, I would probably do it without looking ridiculous. And if I'd like to, and I'd still be speaking plain truth to you all the way, but I'll spare you. I don't want anyone imagining me as anything other than the fool you'd encounter if you saw me on the street or heard me talk. That's good news for us. <laughs> like we don't have to be anything but ourselves for God to use us. And because of the extravagance of those revelations, he's talking about this, this vision he had from God. And so I wouldn't have a big head. I was given the gift of a handicapped to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Other, other translations, the literal translations say a thorn in his side. Like he was given this thorn in his side. Now, we don't know what that thorn was. Many theologians think maybe it was a sickness or an illness. It could have been a person. It could have been a, an angry person that followed him around. We don't know what it is. But any, whatever it was, it was brutal. And Paul was asking God, take this thing away from me. And so he gave him this. And he goes, but I realized, that's funny what he says, a gift, <laughs> This gift of a handicap to keep me in touch, uh, touch with my limitations, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. And what he in fact did was push me to my knees. And he goes, my strength, no danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. When we fail, it doesn't feel like a gift. When we have limitations, it doesn't feel like anything that God's going to use. 
And Paul says here, and he begged God to remove it. Three times he begged him to remove it. This is not like God helped get rid of it. God, this is three separate occasions, and these are probably big occasions that Paul prayed for God to take this thorn out of his flesh. And he goes, three times I did that, and then he told me. God spoke to him, and this is his words, and this is the words I want you to hear today. My grace is enough. In your failures, in your limitations, all the things that you make mistakes, his grace is enough. It's all you need. And he goes on to say this. God is speaking to Paul and he goes, Paul, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, Paul said, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap or the pain or the failure. I quit focusing on the failure and began appreciating the gift that was in it. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my weakness. He goes, now I take limitations in stride with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. So Paul reminds these people, look, I am not, I'm not these super apostles. Like I show my weakness. I show my failures because when I show you my failures, I show you God's strength in it. And so he's reminding them and he's reminding us today that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And here's one thing I learned. And Paul says this in this passage. He goes, when this thing was on me, he says, it drove me to my knees. And so the question I have for you today is when you're going through failures, when you're, when you're experiencing limitations and hardships, what is your default? Do you, does it drive you to your knees? Do you, does it bring you closer to God? Because here's the one thing I've learned. When I'm going through these things and I fail and I don't line up, what it does is it drives me closer to God. Failure brings you closer to God. But many of us, some of us, we don't come to God in those moments. We get angry at God. And instead of falling to our knees and praying to God, we stand on our feet and shout at God and, and raise our fist to him. Why did you let this happen? Why didn't you stop me? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? Instead of going to God and saying, God, I need you in my failures. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your compassion. His presence is enough. And then Paul goes on to say, he's like, it made me fall to my knees. I, pray, I prayed. I got closer to God. And then in that, he corrected my course. So the first thing that happens in failure is it often drives us to our knees, gets us closer to God. Number two, it corrects our course. It corrects our course. You know, failure has a way of letting you know it's not working. Did you notice that? When you fail, I hope you don't go, man, I'm going to fail again. I'm going to try that exactly the same way. <laughs> no, if you fail, you're like, oh, it's not working. <laughs> What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting the same result or a different result. That's insanity. I love Thomas Edison. He says this about failure. He goes, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. So I just haven't failed. I just found 10,000 ways that hasn't worked yet. See, failure isn't fatal. Failure has a role in your life. Failure helps you to grow. Failure helps you to correct your course. Like, this didn't work. I need to change what I'm doing. I need, I need to find a new way to do this. And the best way to do anything is through Christ Jesus. And then he says... It also allowed him to share his weakness. What the pastor says is, my weakness, my strength, God's strength is made perfect 
in my weakness. And so Paul was able to share his weakness with the church. And his light, the light of Christ shone through Paul's weakness. And so I want you to know that your failures and your limitations, if you give them to God and let him handle them, he's going he's gonna to use them to help other people. Because here's the thing, my marriage, where is it, this one? Like, you sh- like I said, this is the first service. You should be glad I'm such a failure. Because, because all of my failures allow me to help you. Right? Because my marriage was not good, but I can help you with your marriage. I can say, hey, this is the problem, right? If you need to allow God into that space. Because a long time, we, me and my wife were trying to do it on our own. And until we allowed God into our marriage, nothing changed. I was doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. But until I changed my course and I, and I, <laughs> I let God into my marriage, then he saved my marriage. He uses your strength to help. Other, he uses your weakness to help other people. Your weakness actually becomes your strength. Do you realize that your failures, if you give them to God, he can use them to help other people? And I see it all the time in here. I'm glad you guys are mess ups. Because, because when you fail and you give it to God and you allow him into that space, he redeems it, he restores it, and he is shown through it. It's like, man, I failed in my marriage, but God, right? I, I failed at purity, but God. I, I failed at my relationships, but God. It, it shines him through those things. It allows him to shine through, his strength to be made perfect in our weakness. It points people to Christ. That's what we can do if we allow God into our failures, but yet we don't see our failures as something that God can use. And I want to tell you today that God sees our failures as an opportunity for him to shine through. We help people out of our own weakness from what we have learned. Do you help people from your weaknesses? Do you share weaknesses? Do you share your testimony? That's what your testimony is. What's your testimony? It's like, I was this way, but God, and now I'm this way. Like, this was this was here, but God, and now it's this way. This, that's the testimony. It's like, I'm nothing, but God is everything. I'm not enough, but God's enough. Amen. That's your testimony. And it, you, share, you show God, right? Through your weakness, through your failures. But so many of us think that our failures are fatal. Like, I failed. It's fatal. My limitations. I have nothing to do. Failure is not fatal. Quitting is. Too many of us quit when we fail, because we fail to let God have our failures. Don't quit. Keep moving. I love this movie, Rudy. Remember that? Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Some of you my age are like, everybody else younger is like, I don't know who Rudy is. Rudy was this, uh, it's, a, it's based off a true story. Rudy wanted to play college football for Notre Dame. He was a very little bitty guy. He played defense and he had heart. Like he couldn't play, like he didn't have the strength, he didn't have the ability, but he had heart. And he would show up every practice and he would, he would work as hard as he could to just suit up and go on the field for Notre Dame, to suit up on a college football game. He wanted his father to see him sitting on the bench and be proud. That's my boy. Like he made the team, he's suited out. And every week he would look at the roster and see if he was going to be suited out for that week at the Notre Dame game. And in the movie, there's this part where all his teammates go to the coach and say, coach, just let him play. 
You don't have to play him. Just let him sit on the bench. Let him bring us Gatorade. Just let him get out there and suit out. But the coach wouldn't let him. And then he gets to this scene where he goes and he checks and he, he looks to see if his name's on the roster. It's not there again. And so he feels like a failure and he's ready to give up. But then somebody comes in and shares his testimony with Rudy and gives him courage. So go and show that video. All right, we'll try it again. There we go. Still, a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life, you won't regret walking out letting them get the best of me. Do you hear me clear enough? Do you hear me clear enough? Look, this isn't you. These are things you do. But this, this, this box, it's not who you are. Right? This is not you. But God can use it. God can do something beautiful through it. You know, at some point, at some point in your life, you've got to, you got to figure out that I don't care if I failed or not. I'm giving it to God. This is not going to define who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm purposely moving forward. I'm not going to let these things keep me back or limited. I'm going to move forward. I am not my box of failures. So many of us are carrying this around and going, this is who I am. I can't get past it. But God's saying, look, give it to me. Let me have it. I want to make something beautiful out of your failures because that's who I am. I'm enough for you. I'm enough for you. And you're like, man, I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm enough. Are you enough, God? Are you really enough in my faith? I don't know if you're enough in my faith. And all he's saying is just come to me. Come to me and then turn, change your mind about who I am. That's what repentance is, is changing your mind. And all you got to do is just turn around because he's enough. Is, is my faith enough? No, I'm enough. Right? And he goes, what about my career, Lord? I don't know if I can get another job. He's like, look, look, I'm enough. Stop worrying about it. He says, well, God, I don't know about my parenting. God, I, I think my kids need, you know, they need to go to therapy for a long time. He goes, don't worry about it. I'm enough. Right? And he's, he's like, well, God, what about my marriage? I don't know what to do about it, God. It's just, he goes, look, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. God, what are you going to do with this one? Lord, I'm broken. I'm damaged goods. God, I don't know. What are you going to do with this? He goes, give it to me. I'm enough. I'm enough. I can make you clean. I can undamage. You're not damaged. You're pure in my sight. Look, this is what God does. He's a redeemer. What about my relationships? God, I, I, met, I don't know what I can do. He's like, look, give it to me. I'm enough. He's enough. All you got to do is turn. That's all it's simple, just to turn. It's like, God, change your mind about who God is and what he does in your life. It's repentance. It's repentance. Sometimes you just got to say, I'm taking my box of failures and I'm giving it to God and I'm moving on with my life. Some of you are ready for that today. Some of you have been carrying this box your whole life. It's been defining you. It's been shaping you. It's been making your decisions for you. Today, I want you to know that God wants your box of failures. He wants your box of failures. He wants to make something beautiful out of it. So if I can get the, the prayer team to come up, this is how I want to close this morning. You can go and stand with me. We're going to do some statements. And then I want you to think about these statements every time you fail. <laughs> This is a good statement to remember. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. We don't like that word repent, but it just means to change your mind. It's just changing from, oh, I don't have it. God's got it. Okay. That's all it is. So when you make a fail, when you fail, you need to understand something. That's not who you are. Like I'm not in my box of failures. You know who I am? I'm a blood-bought child of God. That's what defines me. Nothing else. And so when you fail, this is what you need to say. His grace is sufficient for all of my shortcomings. Can we say that right now? His grace is sufficient for all my shortcomings. Oh, that's, that feels good, doesn't it? Here we go. I may fail, but I'm not a failure. Come on, say it like you mean it. I may fail. Oh, sounds good. You're not. Stop believing it. Right? Here's the last one. Christ is working on me and in me. There you go. So when you fail, it's like, oh, man, I messed up again. He goes, I may fail, but I'm not a failure. Right? Mm, I may fail, but I'm not a failure. His, he's sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Right? And then Christ is still working on me. I know that I'm not going to, he's not going to let me walk into that again, unchecked. That's what he does. And today, some of you, man, you got to, you've been living in stuff. And you got to get, you got to get free. You're not living in freedom. 
You've been living in stuff and, and God's saying, I want to take that. I want to take that addiction. I want to take that impurity. I want to take your thoughts. I want to take your attitudes. I want to take your, everything that, that you're doing against me. I want to just give it to me because I want to make something beautiful out of it. And this is what he does. He redeems you. You think, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I messed up too much. God can't forgive me. Well, we have a great example of, in King David. Right? King David, he slept with another man's wife, and then he kills her husband. I don't know if you guys sinned that bad. Maybe you have. You're pretty quiet. <laughs> but I haven't. But God can redeem anything. And this is his prayer. When he got caught, he comes to God and he says this, Psalm 51. I want to read some of it, and then I'm going to let God just deal with you. All right, here we go. He says this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Not my failure, but your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, Lord. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before you, before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Then he goes on to say like this, God, forgive me and now cleanse me. He goes, cleanse me with high sop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Some of you, when I hit the purity thing, that's it. Cleanse you, wash you, make you white as snow. It's beautiful. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. He's like, God, restore me. Bring me back to new life. He goes, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity, saying, God, forgive me. Create in me a new heart, a pure heart, O God, and I renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When's the last time you're like, I'm saved, praise God. That can happen. You just gotta ask and he'll give it to you. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions. Here we go, right? My failure becomes a strength. My failure becomes a strength. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, oh God, for you Oh God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I'd bring it. You do not pleasure in burnt offerings, or I would give it. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Maybe the only thing you have today to give to God is a broken heart. Come give him your broken heart. So this is, this is the call. They're going to sing a song. And while they sing it, I want you to walk up with your box of failures to one of these ministry team members. You don't have to open it up and share everything. But just symbolically, you're going to go up and they're going to pray with you and you're going to give these things to God and he's going to restore you. He's going to redeem you. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ today. You've never given your life to Jesus. Jesus is saying, I don't care what you've done. Think about the woman caught in adultery. They bring her out in front of Jesus. They throw her down naked. And they say she was caught in the act of adultery. We should kill her. What does Jesus do? He writes in the ground 
Everybody leaves. And he looks at the woman in the eyes and says, woman, where are your accusers? She looks around. She goes, they're not here. And says, neither do I accuse you. But then he goes, now go and sin no more. He cleanses you to bring you into something new. So give him your box. Give him your failures. Let God into that space. So, Father, I pray, Lord, as they sing this song, God, that everyone today that wants freedom would come get freedom. In Jesus' name, God, I pray right now, Father God, whatever it is, no guilt, no shame. Don't let the enemy tell you. People are going to look at you. They're going to stare at you. That weakness will be strength. It's going to make somebody else that needs to give it up, get up and do it. And so, Father God, I pray right now, Father, that they would come up and get free today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come get free right now in Jesus' name.